Welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 16, Could Not Be Restrained. All right. Um, if you guys could see me right now, you would laugh your heads off because um, we have my husband's sister and her family staying with us right now. And all the kids are in getting ready for bed. And I needed time to record this for you guys. And, but it's a little bit noisier in my house than normal. So I came in my husband's office because it's the most isolated room in the house, but his office honestly isn't great for recording because there's no soft things in it, which if you know anything about recording, you kind of want some soft things around you because it helps make the sound cleaner. And so as I was doing some test records, it was just too echoey and tinny and weird and So he has a sweatshirt in here on his office chair, and I put it over my head and over the laptop, and it sounds amazing, at least for this microphone. And so I'm sitting here, if you can imagine, on at my husband's desk with his sweatshirt over my head and over the laptop and over my microphone. (laughs) So, so profesh. But the kids are still getting put to bed, so I apologize for any extra noise that you might hear. It's not going to be perfectly quiet, probably, but I think it'll be okay. So this week's chapters are Ether 12 through 15, but as usual, I can't really get past the first chapter because there's just so much good stuff in all of them. I really need somehow for there to be (laughs) a come follow me where we study like one chapter a week because for most of them, there's just so much that can be gleaned out of all of it. Um, so in these chapters, it starts where Ether was a prophet when Coriantumr was the king. He is going out to preach repentance to the people. And it says in chapter 12, verse 2, he could not be restrained because of the spirit of the Lord, which was in him. As I read that, I was thinking, have there been times in my life when the spirit was so strong in me that I could not be restrained from doing what is right? And I think we've all had thoughts, or at least I have, I don't know, maybe I'm weird, about how far I would go to defend and stay true to my faith in extreme circumstances. But I think the more accurate and realistic way to gauge this for yourself as far as are you at least working toward the level that Ether was at where he could not be restrained. I think the most accurate way to gauge that is yet again, as I always talk about, is when we analyze our small actions and if we're doing them. So on the flip side, in what ways are we keeping ourselves restrained from following the Lord's command? I'm always asking myself, am I doing the small daily things that I'm asked to do? Or is my natural man that wants to do things that are, quote, more fun or less work? Or even for some people, I mean, that's usually the side that I lean toward. But for some people, even on the opposite end, where our desire to prove ourselves by being so busy or be successful, that we aren't leaving time for what is most important. So what leads to that? What leads to your natural man being able to restrain your spirit. And I think it all comes down to spiritual exercise. Has your spiritual exercise, meaning doing the little things, prepared your spirit in a way that your spirit cannot be restrained by your natural man from doing what is right? And for most of us, doing what is right 
is doing those little things that the Lord has commanded us to do. Just like Ether was commanded to preach to the people, we have been commanded to do a lot of little things and big things depending on your circumstance. But for me, I know that most of the time when I approach my day, the things that I'm doing aren't necessarily these big giant things. It's that I know I'm supposed to be reading my scriptures and saying my prayers and relying on him throughout the day and all those little things that lead to a strong testimony and strong faith and strong will to do what the Lord has asked us to do. And I think even when we talk about Ether, his spiritual strength, no doubt, came from years of exercise in small ways that helped him get to be as strong as he was. And it made it so he could not be restrained because the spirit of the Lord, which was in him. And for me, for now, I am certainly um, not even close to Ether's level. I'm not a prophet, nor have I been called to preach repentance unto an entire city. Although I do feel called by him to do this podcast, but that's definitely not the same thing. But I do, I don't say that meaning to diminish, diminish it. I am super grateful for this podcast and this platform and the ability I have to follow this prompting I feel like I've been given, but not the same thing. I think what I would hope for in my own life is that my spirit gets so strong from investing in spiritual exercise that I eventually cannot be restrained from doing what is right by my natural man. One example I was thinking of is that my husband and I recently decided that we were going to read the scriptures in the morning before he starts work at 7 a.m. Because when we wait until the evening, it gets squeezed out often because of evening activities and all the crazy things that happen at night. And also it gets to bedtime and we're just kind of done. And not to just focus on the reasons that we didn't want to do it in the evening, but we also think that starting with scriptures in the morning is a great way to start our day as a family. Now, I know what you're thinking. 7 a.m. is not that bad, and you are totally right. But normally, <laughs> I stay in bed till 7.30 because my kids are fairly good at getting up and getting ready for school. So I usually wake up to kind of help them wind down all of their activities in the morning, not so much to direct their entire activities. Um, so... When I wake up in the morning, on these mornings that we've been good about getting our scriptures in in the morning, my natural man sure wants to stay in bed. But my hope is that by forcing myself to do this, that it will increase my faith by doing it and my spiritual strength enough that eventually I cannot be restrained from getting up and making sure my kids start their day off right and see their parents put the Lord first. And I think that will come as I see blessings from my effort that I am basing right now on just faith that I I, I think it'll be good. I think that um, we will well, actually, I don't know if it's think or no or whatever, but I believe that we will be blessed for it. And as I see myself and our family be blessed for it, It'll just make that determination to follow that command from the Lord even stronger. So as I think about this topic of um, making myself spiritually strong enough that I cannot be restrained, I easily go down the road of getting frustrated with myself. Why can't I just be so strong and do, th do everything right? Why can't I always rein in my natural man and always do the right things? Why can't I be like Ether? 
But when I am thinking that, I'm always reminded of a prayer that we have from Nephi in 2 Nephi chapter 4, verses 16 through 35. He says, Behold, my soul delighteth in the things of the Lord, and my heart pondereth continually upon the things which I have seen and heard. Nevertheless, notwithstanding the great goodness of the Lord, in showing me his great and marvelous work, my heart exclaimeth, O wretched man am I! Yea, my heart sorroweth because of my flesh. My soul grieveth because of mine iniquities. I am encompassed about because of the temptations and the sins which do so easily beset me. And when I desire to rejoice, my heart groaneth because of my sins. Nevertheless, I know in whom I have trusted. My God hath been my support. He hath led me through mine afflictions in the wilderness. And he hath preserved me upon the waters of the great deep. He hath filled me with his love, even unto the consuming of my flesh. He hath confounded mine enemies, unto the causing of them to quake before me. Behold, he hath heard my cry by day, and he hath given me knowledge by visions in the night time. And by day I have waxed bold in mighty prayer before him. Yea, my voice I have sent on high, and angels came down and ministered unto me. And upon the wings of his spirit hath my body been carried away upon exceedingly high mountains, and my eyes have beheld great things, yea, even too great for man. Therefore I was bidden that I should not write them. Oh, then, if I have seen so great things, if the Lord in his condescension unto the children of men hath visited men in so much mercy, why should my heart weep, and my soul linger in the valley of sorrow, and my flesh waste away, and my strength slacken because of mine afflictions? And why should I yield to sin because of my flesh? Yea, why should I give way to temptations that the evil one hath placed in my heart to destroy my peace and afflict my soul? Why am I angry because of mine enemy? Awake, my soul, no longer droop in sin. Rejoice, O my heart, and give place no more for the enemy of my soul. Do not anger again because of mine enemies. Do not slacken my strength because of mine afflictions. Rejoice, O my heart, and cry unto the Lord and say, O Lord, I will praise thee forever. Yea, my soul will rejoice in thee, my God and the rock of my salvation. O Lord, wilt thou redeem my soul? Wilt thou deliver me out of the hands of mine enemies? Wilt thou make me that I may shake at the appearance of sin? May the gates of hell be continually shut before me because my heart is broken and my spirit is contrite. O Lord, Wilt thou not shut the gates of thy righteousness before me, that I may walk in the path of the low valley, that I may, may be strict in the plain road? O Lord, wilt thou encircle me about in the robe of thy righteousness? O Lord, wilt thou thy make a way for mine escape before mine enemies? Wilt thou make my path straight before me? Wilt thou not place a stumbling block in my way, that thou wouldst clear my way before me, and hedge not up my way, but the, but the ways of my enemy? O Lord, I have trusted thee, and I will trust thee forever. I will not put my trust in the arm of flesh, for I know that cursed is he that putteth his trust in the arm of flesh. Yea, cursed is he that put his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm. Yea, I know that God will give liberally all him that asketh. Yea, my God will give me if I ask not amiss. Therefore I will lift up my voice unto thee. Yea, I will cry unto thee, my God, the rock of my righteousness. Behold, my voice shall forever ascend unto thee, my rock and mine everlasting God. Amen. As we read that, we can hear Nephi was down on himself just the same way that we get down on ourselves when we think of all the things that we should or we shouldn't be doing. What did Nephi say there? He said, awake my soul, no longer droop in sin. Rejoice, O my heart, and give place no more for the enemy of my soul. So who 
is Nephi hearing when he is so down on himself and when he's so sorrowful for the things that he is or isn't doing? The enemy of our souls, Satan. The prophet Nephi himself had the same struggle that we all have, where we get caught up in the things that we are or are not doing. We don't need to dwell on all the ways that we are imperfect. Do we need to be aware of them? Yes. But to dwell and spiral down into this pity party of self-deprecation, that is not from the Spirit. How does Nephi get away from that? We hear it here in his prayer. He asks the Lord for strength and aid, and ultimately grace. He asks that the Lord make up for what he lacks, and we can ask for that too. One of my favorite questions he asks in there is, Wilt thou make me that I might shake at the appearance of sin? What a prayer. He ends by declaring to the Lord that he trusts him forever, that he has ultimate faith in him. And that includes, for me and for you, trusting that the Lord can and will make up for our weaknesses. And that also includes allowing the Savior to literally take your sins and weaknesses from you. And one of the most important steps in there is to forgive yourself for them and believe Him when He forgives you. Okay, I got a little off topic there from Ether. (laughs) It says, He cried repentance unto them from sunrise to sunset. He declares to them that, quote, by faith, all things are fulfilled, which I always love hearing about how all of the words of the Lord, all of the prophecies, all the things we are told will be in reality fulfilled. And then he says one of my favorite things from this chapter in verse four, wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world, yea, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith making an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. The last six months, I have been feeling so led by the dream of what is to come, about Zion and the full gathering of Israel and the second coming of the Lord and about the exa- our, our ultimate exaltation and the incredible awe-inspiring, heart-filling idea that I could someday be worthy of being present for any of those events. So that verse fills me with some sense of confirmation that I am on the right path because I see the exact steps being taken in that verse, the, the, the pathway that he sets forth in that verse being fulfilled in my own heart because I do believe in God. And therefore, I have hope for a better world with him. I hope I can be someday worthy of fully participating in his great plan. And what does that scripture tell me about that desire that I have in my heart? That that hope of mine comes from faith. And I feel so validated when I read that. The fact that my heart hopes for these things is proof that my faith is there. And sometimes it's hard to know, like I want to measure my faith, like, Is my faith small, medium, or large, or whatever? But just reading that confirms that because that hope is there, my faith is there. And what are we told next? That faith maketh an anchor to the souls of men. That fills me with such confidence that I can withstand this life. That same faith 
that have just has just been proven in that verse because I have that hope. Therefore, that hope comes from the faith that I already have is anchoring my soul. And if there is anything we need in this world right now, it is an anchor to our soul. And that anchor is making me sure and steadfast. And I don't, I, I'm a little uncomfortable with the word always, but it says always abounding in good works and led to glorify God. And I, I don't feel like I perfectly do that. But I can see that exact path laid out in the scripture happening in my heart. And it's further proof to me that the scriptures are true. We are told to experiment on his words. And my experiment has led me to feel the exact feelings described in the scripture. I hope and dream of being with the Lord and that hope shows faith and that faith is an anchor to my soul. And I hope as you listen to that, you can see the same thing happening in your heart as well. And if you can't, experiment because it will happen. So Ether prophesies many great and marvelous things and they don't believe because, quote, they saw them not. And then Moroni interjects and gives us an amazing lesson on faith, far better than I could ever put it. He starts in verse 6, And now I, Moroni, would speak somewhat concerning these things. I would show unto the world that faith is things which are hoped for and not seen. Wherefore, dispute not, because you see not, for you receive no witness until after the trial of your faith. For it was by faith that Christ showed himself unto our fathers, After he had risen from the dead, he showed not himself unto them until after they had faith in him. Wherefore, it must needs be that some had faith in him, for he showed himself not unto the world. But because of the faith of men, he hath shown himself unto the world and glorified the name of the Father and prepared a way that thereby others might be partakers of the heavenly gift, that they might hope for things which they have not seen. Wherefore, ye may also have hope and be partakers of this gift, if ye will but have faith. Behold, it was by faith that they of old were called after the holy order of God. Wherefore, by faith that the law of Moses was given, but in the gift of his son hath God prepared a more excellent way, and it is by faith that it hath been fulfilled. And if there be no faith among the children of men, God can do no miracle among them. Wherefore, he showed not himself until after their faith. Behold, it was the faith of Alma and Amulek that caused the prison to tumble to the earth. Behold, it was the faith of Nephi and Lehi that wrought the change upon the Lamanites, that they were baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Behold, it was the faith of Ammon and his brethren which wrought so great a miracle among the Lamanites. Yea, and even all they who wrought miracles wrought them by faith, even those who were before Christ, and also those who were after. And it was by faith that the three disciples obtained a promise that they should not taste of death, and they obtained not the promise until after their faith. And neither at any time hath any wrought miracles until after their faith, wherefore they first believed in the Son of God. And there were many whose faith was so exceedingly strong, even before Christ came, who could not be kept from within the veil, but truly saw with their eyes the things which they had beheld with an eye of faith, and they were glad. And behold, we have seen in this record that one of these was the brother of Jared, for so great was his faith in God, that when God put forth his finger, he could not hide it from the sight of the brother of Jared, because of his word which he had spoken unto him, which word he had had obtained by faith. And after the brother of Jared 
had beheld the finger of the Lord because of the promise which the brother of Jared had obtained by faith, the Lord could not withhold anything from his sight. Wherefore, he showed him all things, for he could no longer be kept without the veil. And it is by faith that my fathers have obtained the promise that these things should come unto their brethren through the Gentiles. Therefore, the Lord hath commanded me, yea, even Jesus Christ. It all starts with faith. Faith is not a perfect knowledge. You cannot know perfectly at first, but as Alma tells us in Alma 32, if we will awake and arouse our faculties, even to an experiment on his words and exercise even a particle of faith, yea, if we can do no more than desire to believe, think about where your faith could be improved, whether it's in the basics, like is God real or on some issue that you don't understand, start with hope. Then awake and arouse your faculties and experiment with a sincere heart and true intent, not with the intent of requiring proof or a sign from God, but trusting that that show of faith will nurture that seed and that you will be given more light and knowledge a little at a time. And as you exercise that faith, your faith grows a little stronger and a little stronger all the way till it becomes a perfect knowledge and your faith is dormant in that thing because you know. This process is real. I can testify of it. Alma continues in chapter 32, 35. Oh, then is not this real. I say unto you, yea, because it is light and whatsoever is light is good. And because it is discernible, therefore ye must know that it is good. And now behold, after ye have tasted this light, is your knowledge perfect? Behold, I say unto you, nay, neither must ye lay aside your faith. For ye have only exercised your faith to plant the seed that ye might try the experiment to know if the seed was good. And behold, as the tree beginneth to grow, ye will say, let us nourish it with great care that it might get root, that it may grow up and bring forth fruit unto us. And now behold, if you nourish it with great care, it will get root and will grow up and bring forth fruit. But if ye neglect the tree and take no thought for its nourishment, behold, it will not get any root. And when the heat of the sun cometh and scorcheth it, because it hath no root, it withers away, and ye pluck it up and cast it out. Now this is not because the seed was not good, neither is it because the fruit thereof would not be desirable. But it is because your ground is barren, and ye will not nourish the tree, therefore ye cannot have the fruit thereof. And thus, if ye will not nourish the word, looking forward with an eye of faith to the fruit thereof, ye can never pluck of the fruit of the tree of life. But if ye will nourish the word, yea, nourish the tree as it beginneth to grow by your faith with great diligence and with patience, looking forward to the fruit thereof, it shall take root. And behold, it shall be a tree springing up unto everlasting life. And because of your diligence and your faith and your patience with the word and nourishing it, that it may take root in you, behold, by and by ye shall pluck the fruit thereof, which is most precious, which is sweet above all that is sweet, which is white above all that is white, yea, pure above all that is pure, and ye shall feast upon this fruit, even till ye are filled, that ye hunger not, neither shall ye thirst. This process that Alma describes is real. But we receive no witness until after the trial of our faith. We are here on earth to prove that we can have faith, that we don't need proof first, that we are willing to set aside our egos and trust first, faith first. And then 
after that, after our egos are set aside, after our hearts are broken and we are humble, we will get an undeniable witness from the Holy Ghost. So much proof, not as the world would want proof, but that witness is so personal and so strong that when you get to that point, there is nothing better, nothing more undeniable. You can receive a witness from the Holy Ghost so undeniable that you will be able to join with Joseph Smith in saying, I knew it and I knew that God knew it and I could not deny it. I know that the scriptures we are reading, the Book of Mormon, I know it is true. These things really happened. And I know that things will continue to happen. The Savior will reign again on the earth. President Nelson ended October's conference with these words. May we go forward together to fulfill our divine mandate, that of preparing ourselves and the world for the second coming of the Lord. So let's do it. Let's exercise our faith so much so that we can be like Ether and there can be no restraining us from obeying his commands and prepare ourselves and the world for the second coming of our Lord. And as we do so, we will receive witnesses and experience miracles undeniable. We will know it and God will know that we know it. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening this week. It means so much to me when you share with your family and friends. So if you feel prompted, if you have had a name come to your mind or have have a name right now come to your mind of somebody who would benefit from this message, I encourage you to share it. And I will talk to you again next week. Maybe this time, not with a sweatshirt over my head.